Good morning, friends. It's good to see you. It's always, for those of you that might be new, um, this is normal that we dismiss kids and it's like, where did everybody go? Um, they're in KidMax, which is awesome and lovely that we have so many littles among us. Um, so yeah, if you are new, uh, I'm Jen. I'm the lead pastor here at the Meeting House in East Toronto, and we are in the middle of a teaching series called, what's it called? Something about wisdom? There's like a slide or something, right? Yeah, a walk through wisdom. We're walking through wisdom. Um, so the last couple of weeks, we have looked at the book of Psalms. Uh, we did an overview and then a deep dive with Jimmy last week into a specific psalm. And today we are looking at the book of Proverbs. So um, this book, if you are not aware, it is written by a king um, of Israel, and his name is King Solomon. So in the book of 1 Kings, in chapter 3, God basically said to Solomon that he would give him whatever he wanted. So we're going to read a few of these verses together from 1 Kings 3. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. And then Solomon replied, Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to dis distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. So that's sort of the story of how Solomon, uh, you know, became this like super wise person. He just asked God for it, which I, if I was able to ask God for one thing, I, like, would that be the first thing I would ask for? I don't know. But that's what Solomon asked for first. Um, so later in this chapter is a pretty um, famous, I, I think, I don't know what your level of famous is, but a fairly uh, famous example of Solomon discerning wisdom. And some of you might know this story where there were two women that each had an infant, had a baby, and um, in the middle of the night, one of them died. And so the mom that whose child passed away got up and switched the kids, thinking like, well, I'll just have this other person's kid. And so obviously then the two women, when they woke up, like it was quite traumatic, and so they went to Solomon and asked for wisdom. And so Solomon's... Uh, brilliant way to figure out what kid it was. It's like, well, he just said to them, cut the child in half and take half each. Then you each have half of a kid. Uh, so of course, one of the women were like, yeah, that's a great idea. We probably know which one that was, right? And the other one was like, no, don't do it. Just let, let the other person have the kid. And so Solomon said, that's the mom because wants the kid to stay alive. I was like, wow. So that was one kind of popular example of how Solomon uh, used wisdom to kind of solve, you know, complex or uh, problems in, in that time. So it's this king, it's this Solomon that wrote uh, most of or a majority of the book of Proverbs. So how many of you have read any of Proverbs before? Has anyone ever? Yeah, we've looked at some of them before. Okay, cool. No judgment if you haven't. Maybe after today you'll, you'll pop it open and take a look. So um, in the Old Testament, and actually in all of Scripture, it's important to know that there are different books that do different things, um, and they're there for different reasons. And so Proverbs is super plain. Um, in the very first six verses of chapter one of Proverbs, it explains why the book was written. 
It says Proverbs was written for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. So basically this book was written to become smarter, to gain understanding, to learn stuff. It sounds like a pretty sensible book to read every now and then, uh, whether you were living in that time or also for us today. So the next question you may have is what are Proverbs? And sometimes I think we can get uh, this a little bit confused and think that Proverbs are promises, like almost like a genie situation. If I do this, then God will do that, right? One, a popular one is raise your children up in the way they should go, and when they're older, they will never stray from it. And some parents in the room of maybe older kids are like, yeah, right, because you know we can't make our kids go a certain way. Um, so the key thing to remember is that Proverbs aren't promises, they're probabilities. It's not a magic genie way to make God do the things that we want him to do, but we're setting ourselves up to more likely be on the path God has for us if we do these things. So they're not promises, they're probabilities. So one thing that's important to remember with the book of Proverbs is there isn't a, a grand narrative or story arc. It's not like some of the other books where like, you know, in Exodus you read about Moses and the bush and then they go on this great big journey and it's this huge grand narrative. There isn't like that overarching story. You can most of the time pick a proverb and just read that one verse and it makes sense. You don't need kind of everything that's around it. Um, it's really good for taking a verse or maybe two to sort of chew on and think about and just let it like seep into you rather than sitting down to see how many proverbs you can read in a day. It's kind of weird because of that to try to even preach um, on this book as there is no arc necessarily. And so I was kind of struggling this week of like, how do I, how do I teach on the book of Proverbs? Because like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sermons in here. Like you could take a single proverb and, and do a whole message on it. So I was like, what am I going to do? Um, so some of you may, I think I've mentioned this a lot already this year, but I am reading, um, I'm doing the Bible recap project this year. And funnily enough, just finished the book of Proverbs. And I was like, great. And so on my uh, version Bible app that I use, whenever I see something that I'm like, oh, that's a good one, I underline it. And so I have all these underlines from the book of Proverbs. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pick a few uh, favorites that I found over the last number of weeks and just do really many sermons on a handful of my favorite Proverbs. So um, over the next um, 10 minutes or so, this is going to be Jen's uh, top, I forget, there might be five or six here, uh, Proverbs that I have uh, kind of been chewing on lately, and I wanted to share some of them with you. Um, so the very first one is in chapter 1, verse 7, and it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Again, as we read those, sometimes you just need to sit and be like, wow, like there's a lot to that. So as I reflect on this one, I think about that if we know exactly who we are, if we don't undermine ourselves or overmine ourselves, it brings a great balance of worth, of importance of who we all are, and also of humility of who we really are. When we can live knowing exactly who we are, we can accept wisdom and instruction and actually become more Christ-like as we go. 
again, it says here that fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it would garner then that the opposite is true, that the wise, um, we want to know things. We want instruction and maybe correction. So as I read this verse, I, I think to myself, and we're not going to answer out loud, but you can think to yourself, how do you do with feedback and correction from others? Do you despise it? Like this verse says fools do, or is our ego in the right place to hear and test when someone offers instruction? Are we confident enough in who God has made us that we can take instruction from others when it is done in a place of, you know, Christian love and friendship? The next one, um, I probably underlined this one because um, there is a VBS from, oh my word, 2003 that I did at camp back in the day. And anyone knows if you want to memorize a Bible verse, just turn it into a song at VBS and you'll be singing and doing the actions your whole life. Uh, so this is one of the ones from, I think it was Scuba VBS, if I remember. And the verse is, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So I know actions to that. I'm not going to do them now because that might be awkward, but it's a song, I promise. So it is a song, but that, it's not just that. There's obviously lots here to look at and to reflect on. That if we submit our plans to God, he'll keep us on the right path. So what's interesting as we look at this proverb, and maybe also think about the, the very first one we looked at, some of the proverbs um, in like the one sentence, they have the negative and the positive in one verse. So it's like, wise people do this, foolish people do this, and it's sort of like a, like a positive spin and a negative. Um, and then others, like this one, keep the same direction in the whole proverb. So this proverb is saying, if you trust in the Lord, and then it keeps on going, it's not like, and if you don't trust, this will happen. It's just kind of interesting to note as you read them through, some uh, stay kind of in the same direction for the whole proverb, and others do like the either or kind of scenario. So the opposite of this one, it's not written out for us, but of course we can you know, come to our own conclusions that if we don't submit our ways to God, we can't expect him to be walking with us on that path. If we lean on his understanding rather than ours, we'll be walking in his ways. And we learn those ways by spending time with him, by growing in our faith in him. Okay, this one can get fun. Uh, Proverbs 5, verse 21 for human ways are under the eyes of the Lord, and he examines all of their paths. So again, one that stays in the same direction here. I really like this particular proverb, especially when the world feels a little bit judgy. Uh, don't know if you've been on social media this week or keep in touch with church news in North America, but um, the, I really rest in this verse after a week like we've just had where the uh, Southern Baptist Convention just voted that I and any other females should not ever be pastors. I'm like, well, that's uh, great. They actually kicked out any churches that have female pastors in them. So that just happened this week on my Twitter feed. So ultimately, it doesn't really matter what I think of another's path. Just like I'm not going to let one denomination tell me that my path is wrong. It's God whose eyes are on all of our paths, and he's the one who passes judgment on us as our good and perfect father, as we sang about today. So when I read this proverb, I think don't lose sleep over other people's opinions, but do pay attention to what God says. Now, it's interesting to read this one and then think about 
what we read earlier in chapter 1, verse 7, because there are people who speak God's wisdom into our lives from time to time, and we are to listen to those people. So how do we tell the difference? How do we tell when it's someone speaking God's wisdom to us or someone that's speaking to us that's not from God? And that's where I think wisdom and really listening to God and his direction and his spirit come in. We need to ask where our own hearts are when we're receiving things from people. Are we confident in who we are? Are we, are we kind of reactionary because we're defensive? Or is it because it doesn't feel quite right and in line with what God is saying? So we need to ask where we are, how open we are to instruction, to gather maybe a few different voices and ask you know, other people to test against what we know to be true about God. So there's some work involved here. And actually, the BIC, the Be in Christ Church of Canada, which, P.S., that's the denomination, I guess, that we're all a part of, is actually a really good example of this lived out. Because believe it or not, the BIC, who used to be called Brethren in Christ, used to also say that females can't be pastors. They did say that. But eventually, I think it was back in the 80s, someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, our church tribe listened to God, heard from God, read scripture, heard through other people. Um, they tested it against scripture and his spirit, and they actually like repented of that belief. So repent just means you're going one way, and you turn, and you go the other way. So our whole denomination did that in the 80s. They repented publicly and said, sorry, oops, our bad, we were wrong. Uh, women can be fully pastors as men can, which is why... I get to be here today, which is great. Um, but I doubt through that whole process we were argued into changing our beliefs, right? I think that was the spirit of God working and people really listening for God and being open to that correction as a whole church, not just as individuals, which is um, really cool that we have that as part of our history together as, as our little tribe of church. Okay, the next one, 11, chapter 12. Oh, sorry, chapter 11, verse 12. Whoever belittles another lacks sense, but an intelligent person remains silent. So this is a, one of those either-or ones, right? It's like negative-positive. And also, I love how, like, to the point some of these are. Like, it kind of feels like it's telling you off a little bit. <laughs> but, like, in, like, a Bible way, I guess. Um, there's actually several proverbs in this book, if you read them, about um, shutting up, <laughs> keeping your mouth closed, Again, if it's God's job to walk with and to correct his children, then why do we bother putting others down, um, talking ill of them or the like? If we were smart, according to this proverb, we'd remain silent. We don't actually know everything, but God does, and it's not our job to talk down to people. As I was reflecting on this one specifically, does anyone feel like the greater church today should be taking a long, hard look at the Proverbs and the life of teachings of Jesus for some pretty major course correction in these days? As again, I look at the Twitters and the, what's happening in the news and in the world with such division and such hatred. I'm like, like does anyone read their Bible? <laughs> could, we, could we take a look at Proverbs? Can we look at the life of teaching of Jesus and really course correct of what it means to follow Jesus and to share his love with others. All right, next one, chapter 12, verse 1. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Yes, the word stupid's in the Bible, everybody. It's right there. 
So here's another one about being open to hearing from God through his spirit, written word, and his community of followers. So again, another one where it says, yes, listen to the people of God um, to, yeah, to seek discipline, knowledge, um, correction, all of those things. All right, chapter 16, verse 2. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. This is a big one because this is like you can't hide from this because God knows us and knows our hearts. I think this is a little bit the answer to Canadian culture sometimes where we say everything is permissible. If it's good for you, do it. Live your own truth. It's all good. Everything's fine. There's such a balance as we've talked about throughout these Proverbs of listening to others versus ignoring what others have to say depending on if they're part of following Jesus or not. The key difference is where the voice is coming from and also the heart behind that voice. Is it one of humility or of superiority that's speaking with you? Is it coming from love or from hate? Is it a voice of concern or a voice of triumph? In the end, the only opinion that matters is God's. It'd be really great if we could spend half the time worrying about ourselves as we, some of us, sometimes spend worrying about other people. God knows your heart, God knows my heart, and he knows my motives. Solomon speaks here of us seeking the Lord to test our motives and realign them with him, with his. That's what's going to matter in the end. Sometimes I think that, you know, people that speak against certain things think that like that's really going to matter on like judgment day and it's like we don't actually get a seat (laughs) uh we you know the only person that god's going to worry about when we get to those pearly gates is is ourselves what where was our heart where were our motives were our paths aligned with his that's what's actually going to matter so there you go that was six miniature sermons Uh, throughout some of my favorite Proverbs. There is a lot in this book around the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom. It pokes out all over the place if you read through the Proverbs. Another theme that's pretty apparent is there's also a lot in there around us making plans about, you know, yeah, making plans of stuff, but with the Lord directing our steps. We're involved in our own lives and where it goes with the guidance of God. And there's also several proverbs, like I mentioned at the beginning, on training up your child in the ways of God. And again, all of these proverbs aren't promises, they're probabilities. As you can see, the proverbs as a book are dense. There is a lot there, there is a lot to uh, reflect on. I would not recommend after, you know, this phenomenal sermon going home and be like, man, those proverbs, I'm going to sit down this week and read the whole book of proverbs. Like, you could try, and if you do, please let me know, but, like, that's going to be a lot, and I don't know if you'll be able to necessarily absorb what's there. Maybe every day or two you could um, do one, and not one chapter, I mean one proverb. (laughs) It might actually make more sense in a book designed as this to take a single proverb and, like, I don't know, write it on your mirror or something, um, and just look at that one proverb for a couple of days and really think about where 
where does this connect with my life? Where am I walking in step with this particular proverb? And where maybe is God speaking to me on this proverb? Um, for me, that would be maybe a more effective way of looking at the proverbs and digging into them if that's something that you're interested in. As we read through uh, this book of Proverbs, it's interesting in that there seems to be a lot of action involved in these. Um, yes, it's God's wisdom and it's learning about the things of God, but there's also human action involved. It kind of reminds me in the New Testament and the book of James where he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. It seems that faith and also wisdom, as we've been talking about today, um, those things without action don't actually mean anything. And Jesus has a lot to say to people who know stuff but don't do stuff. The religious leaders of his day were criticized a lot for knowing all of the things of God but not living in accordance with them. I think many of us can fall prey to that as well. Maybe, you know, we know a lot of folks that have come to the Meeting House over the years love good theology, good teaching. These are all really, really good things to learn stuff to be, you know, our minds in tune with what God is doing. But if that wealth of understanding and knowledge does not directly impact how we live with God and how we love and live with other people, then it's worthless. And if you want to have a chapter to read this week, Matthew 23, uh, Jesus kind of goes off on <laughs> a bunch of religious leaders that are saying a lot of things but aren't doing a lot of things. So then, how do we respond? If we want to grow in our faith, then what's next? And again, something that's repeated a lot in the book of Proverbs is this phrase or a version of it, that fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And fear here doesn't mean to be scared, you know, like there's a boogie monster and we have to hide under a bed because God's going to get us. This uh, word fear is more talking about like a reverence or a respect. So we revere God, we respect God and his authority in the world and his authority over our lives and what that means. So the real question I want to leave you with today is, do you give a rip about the Lord God and his authority over your life, the creator of the universe who died to give you new life? I hope you do care. And if you do, if I do, it means that we spend time with him through reading our Bibles, through praying, through worship here on Sunday mornings, but all during the week through fellowship with one another and with other believers. Because as we do all of these things, as we follow Jesus in community and seek after him, we become more and more wise every day. We become more and more like Jesus every day. If we don't do these things, if we simply just kind of listen and get head knowledge, the Proverbs and much of scripture actually show us that we're not moving closer to Jesus as his disciples. We might be a little bit stuck. We might not be participating in the act of transformation as we grow to maturity in Christ. When I was at um, Exponential back in March, John Mark Homer said uh, something. He does a lot about spiritual formation and development. And he asked us this question of ourselves, of our churches, is that one year from now, are we 
more like Jesus than we are today? Or are we just older? I'm like, shoot, that's a good question. Um, I'm 38 right now. I hope that I'm more like Jesus now than I was when I was 37. Um, And that's a real question I think we have to wrestle with and ask ourselves. I don't know why this came up, but last week I was talking to one of our uh, Connect volunteers and I was reminded, oh, it's because we were setting up KidMax. There's this video that I uh, used years ago for something called Faith in Kindergarten. And it's hilarious, but has a really good point. And as I was thinking about um, transformation and taking what we know in Christ and actually applying it to our lives, I was like, this video I think is rather applicable. Um, So I thought we would take a couple of minutes and watch it together. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Madison. Good morning, Johanna. Good morning, Johnny. People are always asking me why. Why do the same thing every year? Why not move on? And I say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Johnny. Present. I'm comfortable. I know the routine. And I don't want to brag, but... I'm pretty popular around here. I do really well in sports. No! No, not my house! Well, I'm just very successful here. Why would I go and mess that up by graduating? A B. I mean, in the first grade, I may not know all the answers. D. D. Dog. E. The hours are longer. I hear they don't even have nap time. I mean, I just don't see the upside. Then first grade leads to second grade, second to third. It's really good. Then you're in high school reading boring books with no pictures. Three, four, five. But he was still Still hungry. Next thing you know, people expect you to get a job and give up summer vacation. (laughs) No, sir. I think I found my niche. Thank you very much. Home sweet kindergarten. Besides, I mean, what if I failed first grade? How humiliating would that be? Nope, just don't think I could handle that kind of embarrassment. That was not a good choice. Very disappointed. Oh, man. Funny video but uh, I think really applicable, right? Um, five years from now, are, are we just still coming to church on Sundays, kind of singing along to the songs, listening to some teaching, and then going home again, and, and that's it? Um, that's a great place to start, and a lot of us, I know, start that way, but if our faith is really growing, then... Um, you know, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, we look different than we do today because Jesus is at work in our spirit, in our life, making us more and more like him. And we get there through learning, through things like the Proverbs and through all of scripture, but also by taking action and doing the things that God is calling us to do, to seek his path um, and to stay on it. So this week, this summer, the rest of this year, may I challenge you to look for ways to grow in your faith, to take an active part in your transformation. 
Look to God to make you more like Jesus tomorrow than you are today. Maybe that starts by taking one proverb this week and just simply meditating on it for the next seven days. Maybe it looks like setting aside five to ten minutes to take a moment to pray and to read from your Bible. Maybe it looks like asking for feedback from a trusted friend of maybe a blind spot you have. Maybe it looks like letting go of a grudge that you're holding. Whatever it is, may each of us be spurred on by the fear of the Lord in becoming more and more like him. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for this um, community that we can come to um, every week and worship and learn about you. God, thank you for the ways that your spirit has worked in this community recently and over the years and and even the decades, God, as people come to faith in you, as people grow um, in their faith, get baptized. Um, God, we are so grateful for a community that is alive because of your spirit. God, I pray that each of us would become more alive in your spirit as well. God, I pray that as we hear from your word, as we listen to teaching, that, God, it wouldn't just be words, that it would be something that would seep deep within us. And, God, I pray that the fear of the Lord would be the beginning of wisdom, God. I pray that you would help us to have a a reverence for who you are, for who you made us to be, and for what you're calling us to, God, as your kids. I pray that um, as we enter into the summer months where life, you know, changes pace a little bit, God, that we would um, keep in step with you, that you would help us to um, walk in your path, and that you would keep us straight on that. God, for those of us that um, maybe know a lot about you, but haven't actually done a lot in in response, that you would um, pave the way for that for us. God, if maybe we need to um, increase our community of faith, that you would um, give us the courage to do that to reach out to friends, to ask for feedback, to know that we are who you say we are and we want to become more like you and sometimes we can do that through the help of others. God, I thank you so much for the community that you've blessed us with and God, I pray that you would continue to grow this community, that more and more people would come to hear of who you are and and what you've done for everybody, um, God, in dying on the cross for our sins. I pray that, um, yeah, you would... Help us to share that faith maybe with others who don't know. Um, God, that there would just be more and more people come to know who you are. God, we thank you so much for this time of worship together as we go out this week, whether it's to celebrate Father's Day um, or whatever else this week brings. God, that you would walk with us. And I pray that as we gather for worship again next Sunday, that each of us are a little bit more like you than we are today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.